Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Impact Theory. Today, we are talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is the first steps in NFTs, Web3, blockchain, crypto, however you want to think about it, that entire universe, which is going to change the world. It is happening so fast. It is crazy. And we're going to be talking about how you can get into that space, how to orient yourself quickly so that if you know nothing, you can very quickly get yourself in, orient be doing things safely and have an understanding of where things are going. All right. So we're going to be answering your questions. Here it is. First one. If you are very interested in Web3 and want to move forward with it, what are the skills that you need to learn? What are different ways to interact with Web3? Okay, this depends on whether you want to be a community member in Web3 or you want to be an active creator in Web3. If you want to be a creator, that's very different. For that, you're going to really need to understand where things are going and how you're going to be able to um, create in it, what the changes are that it's going to be making. At a high level, I would say the best way to understand Web3 is to go in and learn about blockchain technology. So whether you want to be a community member or a creator, that's going to be the first step. And that was where I started. So I had no intention of becoming a coder or anything like that. But I knew that if I could understand what the technology actually was, what it did, that I would be able to better predict where things were going. And once you can predict then you can do something novel. And so whether that prediction is what you should be buying and holding, if you're going to take uh, an approach to this as investing in overpriced JPEGs, as people lovingly say in the industry, um, or whether you want to engage with it as an upcoming form of entertainment, or whether you want to code, that really is the foundational thing is you need to be able to predict where this is going. And to understand that, the basics of blockchain are most easily discovered, I would say, by taking the biggest blockchain right now. There's really two that I think are critically important. If you're looking at this from an investment standpoint, I would start with the Bitcoin uh, chain, really look into what's going on on um, the world of Bitcoin, understand that, understand the fundamentals, understand why it's considered to be um, a replacement may not be the exact word, but certainly analogous to gold, that this is sound money, that it has a fixed supply and that the blockchain is designed to resist change, that it can change, but it is very difficult to make changes to the Bitcoin uh, protocol. And that is what gives it its stability. That is why people look at it uh, to be a sound money equivalent. And so getting into what is money, I will point you to Robert Breedlove. He is an extraordinary voice in this space that will 
really help you understand what sound money is, why it's so important. But that's going to be the first place if you're looking at this as a long-term investment, I would highly encourage you to look at that. Now, of course, there are dissenting opinions and there are many people that take a very broad approach to cryptocurrencies and how to invest in it. Everything from investing in the currencies to investing in the uh, NFTs is obviously a huge path that people are treating as an investment vehicle. We will talk more about my opinions on that later, uh, but for now, Bitcoin and Ethereum are the two that I would point you to. So for sound money, Bitcoin makes a lot of sense to me. Again, this is one man's opinion. Uh, as you get deeper into this, you're going to want to take a broader look at what else is going on so that you can really understand the full breadth of what is happening in terms of cryptocurrency. Uh, but starting with Bitcoin, I think is the right place to start. And by the way, full disclosure in terms of my own um, investments, I have minor investments in a lot of things, but the only thing that I have real substantial portions of my net worth in are Bitcoin and Ethereum. So uh, for anybody that wants to accuse me of pumping my bags, you would be absolutely right that Bitcoin and Ethereum are something that I've placed huge bets on. Um, but ultimately, I am chain agnostic as both a creator and an investor. I'll pay attention. If I see the winds are changing, then I would look at uh, moving elsewhere. But I am a big believer that picking a few well-researched bets, which by the way, I'm not a financial advisor, do your own research, that is critically important to understand. Um, but I think placing a few well-researched bets and then having time in the market instead of trying to time the market which is an old adage, I would say is a very wise old adage. So Bitcoin and Ethereum, that's where I'd start. Now, if you want to be a active community member around the social movement of Web3, and I will definitely say that Web3 naturally encompasses crypto, encompasses, excuse me, cryptocurrencies, but there is a, a very important and meaningful distinction to be made between Bitcoin, which is primarily a financial instrument, and Ethereum, which is, while it is definitely a financial instrument given ETH um, and how people look at it as programmable money, but there is a much broader world to all of the blockchains that allow you to create things on them. Now, there are a lot of blockchains. I'm going to focus my time and attention on Ethereum for a couple of reasons. One, I understand it the best. And two, I've come to understand it the best because when I looked at it in the beginning, truly objectively, before I had any investment in it whatsoever, there's an adage that says, follow the developers. And to this day, that is where the vast majority of developers are creating is on the Ethereum blockchain. Now that may not last forever. And so again, as you get deeper into this world, broadening your understanding of more blockchains, I think is very wise. But since we're talking first steps, I'd say keep things simple, start with those two, understand the basics and the fundamentals, and you're gonna go a long way. Now, what is a blockchain? I think that's an incredibly important thing to understand. A blockchain, very simply put, is you are creating a distributed ledger. So it is a, a database that you're putting on a lot of computers, in some cases, thousands of computers. And so it becomes extraordinarily difficult to hack it because all of those thousands of computers have to agree on what the ledger says. Now, I don't understand the under the hood technology well enough to give you uh, a PhD level dissertation, so I'll keep this very high level, but what it's doing is 
whenever a transaction occurs, somebody buys something, uh, transfers something, that when that happens, that's what's called settled on the blockchain, meaning it's written to the blockchain. All of those thousand computers or thousands of computers, depending on the blockchain, say, do we agree on this? Yes or no? If yes, cool, we write it to the ledger. You need at least 51% to agree. If not, then the transaction will be considered false and it won't be written to the blockchain. And so the blockchain is this immutable thing that nobody can change. You can't hack it unless obviously you're going through the actual channels of buying and transferring. Um, but once it's written to the blockchain, there's no way to change it. So if we put something on the blockchain like the Impact Theory Founders keys, there are most of the elements of that because there are some parts of the metadata that can be adjusted. But for the most part, once it's on the blockchain, that's it. In fact, the things that are on the blockchain are immutable. The things that are pointed to that actually exist off the blockchain, I don't want to get too complicated here, those can be changed. But for the most part, just think of it this way. Once it's written to the blockchain, it's forever. And so getting it on the blockchain is a tremendous way to secure something. So on the Bitcoin network to secure your money, uh, obviously, if you have a literal gold bar, you have to carry that with you if you want to take it somewhere else. Whereas when you think about making that gold bar virtual, in the case of Bitcoin, now I can take it wherever I want um, just by moving myself or by taking a thumb drive with me. But you could literally memorize what's called a seed phrase. You could memorize that yourself, go to a new country, type in the seed phrase into a new computer, and boom, you have access to everything right there. Uh, so there are a whole host of reasons why that's valuable. But the big thing that I focus on as a creator in the blockchain space is that now you can create true, authentic ownership of virtual goods, which did not exist before. And so that begs the question, will people value virtual goods in the same way that they value physical goods? Now, that question, in my opinion, has been asked and answered. Billions of dollars a month flow into the blockchain via NFTs. It's, I think, as of today, I honestly haven't checked, but we have been over I think $2 trillion in terms of assets and cryptocurrencies as a total. And so when you think about how much money has come into this space, whether in the form of NFTs or purchase currencies or DeFi, I'm just, the list goes on and on. It's extraordinary. It, it is a sea change in the way the world works. And what the world is saying is that, yes, if we know that that virtual item can be secured then, and authenticated, then we do value virtual goods as much, if not more, than we value physical goods. Now, I never would have imagined that the following statement would be true for me, but it is. For the most part, not entirely, but for the most part, the things that I certainly collect, I would rather have a digital version of that than a physical version of that. So for every statue that I have behind me, I have more things in the NFT world that I've collected. And part of that reason is that you can connect with a global audience. And so you can buy things made by people halfway around the world instantaneously. It's very extraordinary. And you can show it to people halfway around the world instantaneously. So if the things that we collect are like these signaling molecules that we show to people about who we are and what we love, what we have an affinity for, the ability to show people all over the place 
instantly in a highly curated way. I can go in and decorate and, and display it in a virtual gallery. It's really pretty extraordinary. So once you understand that the blockchain is the thing that allows me to say, you see that digital thing over there? I actually own that. And the human mind, whether it should or not, is irrelevant. The human mind, the way that it works is that we value ownership. Now, again, you can say that that's dumb, but the reality is that's how the human mind works. And so millions of years of evolution have led us to the point where we value ownership. We value signaling. We value flexing, quite frankly, and showing people the things that we've collected, that we have, that we love to be able to find other people that enjoy those same things. And so people have just really taken to the, the world of NFTs precisely because the blockchain allows us to authenticate and say that I own that. Okay, I don't think that would have been a revolution if that were all that it did. And this is where you get into the whole right-click save mentality. So people talk about, well, why would something that's virtual ever have value? I can just right-click save that image and now I have the same thing that that person who just paid thousands of dollars for it paid. Why? That's dumb. Why would I ever do that? And that's a fundamental misunderstanding of the technology. And that's why I say you need to understand the tech. Once you understand the tech, now you can predict where this goes. So let me give you a simple example of what we're doing here at Impact Theory. So I am obsessed with Web3 because, not because of the necessarily the financial element, look, that's a critical part of it, but that isn't what gets me excited. What gets me excited about Web3 is the fact that inside of that JPEG, is matrix code. And now with a computer, I can write a program that becomes what I call wallet aware. And your wallet is what they call where you store your NFTs in this case. And I can build an application we actually have called Project Kaizen. And with Project Kaizen, when you come into our environment, I can look at your wallet I can see what you have an affinity for, and then I can create experiences that respond to what you have in your wallet. So if you were to have one of Impact Theory's founders keys, I could create a custom entertainment experience around that. I could open magical doors inside of the virtual world. If you had AR glasses on, I could create an experience in real life, again, based on what's in your wallet. That idea of wallet aware is going to change the face of entertainment forever. It is going to change many aspects of your life. It's gonna change real estate, medical records, obviously collecting, entertainment, sports. I mean, it's on and on and on and on it's going to go. So it is this, like I said, radical sea change, tectonic shift, like whatever grand idea word that you wanna use, it's going to have that level of impact because it's giving people the ability to customize an experience based on this curated world that you've created for yourself that represents you and what you like and you get to decide what's in it. You can take something out, put something in, you can create multiple wallets, you could come to Project Kaizen with all of your anime NFTs because you know that we're obsessed with anime. and so. There are all kinds of things you can do to tailor those experiences yourself. But as a coder, understanding as an entertainer, as a, as a musician, as an artist, as so many people are going to find that if I can see into your wallet and see the things you want me to see, the ability to customize 
an experience for you, to show you something that nobody else can see, to create this back and forth conversation between me as a creator and you as a community member, it's really extraordinary. So we just put something out called The Life Map. So it's basically the book that I was going to write distilled down into just the core idea. Now, if you were to have one of those life maps, if you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start, run, and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all US e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Your wallet and come into Project Kaizen, which is a, you can think of it as a game-like experience. So it's coded in Unreal Engine. Most of the video games that you play are coded in Unreal Engine. A lot of animation is being done in Unreal Engine. And now I can do something special for you because you have that life map. So I created something. We gave it to members of our community. Those members then come back with that thing in their wallet. We then create a custom experience for the people that have it, right? And, and then I could let you win something, get something, earn something, whatever. And now that generates another NFT in your wallet. And then I can create another custom experience based on that thing. And so you get into this incredible level of, it's better than a choose your own adventure. But it's like that, where choices you make allow me to customize experiences, which then allow you to get something else, which allows me to customize an experience. And so you get into this reciprocal relationship with the community in a way that makes them far more than an audience. Okay, this is probably getting a little bit complex, but wallet aware. So hold on to a couple ideas. Wallet aware, immutable blockchain, authenticating virtual goods, which gives virtual goods as much value as physical goods. That's the world that you're living in. That's the world that your kids are gonna grow up in and take for granted. Once you have a generation of people that takes for granted that the things that they buy will influence the entertainment, just to keep it so basic, it's way more than that. 
but just to start there, that the things that you collect are going to influence the entertainment as you encounter it so that you and the person next to you wearing AR glasses, right? It's a few years in the future, but bear with me. You both have AR glasses. You're both in the same space and you're having these unique experiences because of what's in your wallet. Now, as you begin to understand how to harness that technology and that idea of being wallet aware, predict out five years, predict out 10 years as the infrastructure is built. It becomes this incredible wonderland. The example that I always give people is I want you to imagine that you wear your AR glasses or you could do this right now today with your phone. You go to a, um, a shopping mall and on their directory is a QR code and you point your phone at the QR code and that QR code launches the one day to be created uh, impact theory app let's say even Project Kaizen. And all of a sudden on the floor, a blinking arrow appears. Because remember with AR, I can make anything appear that I want. And you follow that arrow. And that arrow leads you around the corner. And there is a giant mech from one of the comic books that we've written. And in that mech's hand is a floating quest bar. And you go and take that quest bar. And it's all virtual. So of course it's an NFT and it goes into your wallet. And then once you've grabbed that, it shows another arrow and that arrow leads you to a GNC. And in the GNC, you can redeem that for an actual quest bar, that kind of thing. So that is but one example of how something that is theoretically virtual finds its way into the real world. And that's stuff that you could do today. Now imagine where we go five years, 10 years from now. It really is going to change everything. Medical records is another great example. So putting your medical records on the blockchain so that you control them, not the hospitals. Unfortunately, my cousin passed away and from cancer and my, um, technically it was my second cousin, so it was my first cousin that uh, was just heartbroken, that he felt that a big part of the reason that he had gotten so sick was that getting the medical records from one doctor to another was next to impossible because of HIPAA compliance. Now, HIPAA compliance obviously has its roots in something wonderful to protect your privacy, but because you don't control it, because there's no way to make it virtual and secure it until the blockchain. And so the blockchain allows you to secure this thing, to authenticate who should have access to it so that you can control it, so that you can show it to whoever you want. But it puts the control in your hands. All right, so that's the fundamental idea of Web3. So recognizing this idea of authentication of virtual goods, wallet aware that we can create these tailored experiences that you can handcraft what you want the world um, to view you as, it really is a extraordinary life-changing technology. And when you understand those fundamental elements, you can begin to evaluate projects for how well you think they understand where this technology is going to go. And so right now, people are very focused on the financial element, which is exciting and has brought a ton of energy into the space, and thank God, and I think that that has a lot of implications that are uh, incredible. But I think that there's an emotional wave that's about to hit where people are connected to the experiences and to the items that they own.
in a way that hasn't been possible before. And so it's a new level of involvement with your favorite things, whether that's Harry Potter, Star Wars, um, a friend's world that they've built an Unreal Engine, which is just making it so much easier for people to create, whatever the case. It's going to deepen and enrich the experiences that we have with the things that we love the most. That's Web3. If you strive to perform your best in life, bringing your energy and abilities into everything you do, then it only makes sense that you would want to be out on the road with that same power, agility, and performance that everyone expects from you. And there's no better option than the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable SUV yet, the third-generation Range Rover Sport. You guys know I love staying on the cutting edge with technology, and the Range Rover Sport's cabin features advanced technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, a must, offering you and your family and friends new levels of comfort and refinement while traveling. The Range Rover Sport provides an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and redefines sporting luxury for the power, agility, and performance you demand in every area of your life. Explore the Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. All right. Next question. The speed at which Web3 is growing makes burning out from FOMO almost a normal thing to do in the community. How do you personally balance learning and being active in this space while still maintaining your goals? Okay, so this is where we all have to be adults and we have to set limits. I use rules in my life. So I have goals, I have routines, I have rules. And so I have bright lines about how much time I spend doing things that are uh, you know, just fun or whatever the case may be. So if I'm treating it like I'm investing, then I'm gonna say, how much time do I want to spend on that? And if that's four hours a day, amazing. Then I spend four hours a day on it. If it's 40 minutes a day, then I spend 40 minutes a day. And I don't go over that. So I think that Web3 is one of the most profound technologies I've ever encountered in my life. I cannot uh, express how much it's changed my business, but I've been very careful to recognize that it is a double-edged sword that creates this really bizarre loop in people's minds of feeling like they have to check things all the time, constantly, constantly checking, FOMOing, right? Fear of missing out. People are so afraid they're going to miss the next big thing that they're just constantly in this death loop of checking, looking at the price. Has it gone up? Am I in the discord? Do I have alpha? Uh, have I you know, become aware of the next big thing? Did I get in early enough? Have I gotten on the whitelist? And it really becomes this maddening death loop. And so just like social media was a double-edged sword, so is Web3. And people need to be extraordinarily protective of their mental health to not allow yourself to get in a death loop, to put limits on the amount of time that you do it, to put limits on the number of times that you check on a project in terms of its price, to uh, limit the amount of time that you spend in Discord, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have to be really careful. It should be joyful. It should be fun. It should be part of a larger strategy if you're treating it as an investment, right? I don't spend nine hours a day on my stocks. So I would encourage people to put those guardrails so that you're not getting sucked into something, that you're not making unwise decisions because of fear of missing out, okay? Find things that you are excited about from uh, an emotional standpoint. And this is why I'm a little uh, apprehensive about how much focus there has been put on the financial side of what's going on in Web3 and not the emotional side. And 
what I hope is that this next wave of creative is so emotionally compelling that it becomes like a book or a movie, something that's enriching your life, something that's making you think of interesting and unique ideas, something that you can have a personal relationship with. Go on this incredible emotional journey. Learn something about life. Improve yourself. Our whole thing is at Impact Theory, if you're winning at Impact Theory's Project Kaizen gamification, then you should be winning in real life. And as more projects come on board that have that approach, my hope is that people begin to attach to those projects for the emotional rewards that it gives instead of just the financial rewards. So that would be my advice to people is find a few things that you connect with emotionally. Don't just do it for the hype cycle and get lost in these death loops of hype. Now, I have gotten just as excited as anybody else about some of these projects. And it is fun and it is very addictive. But because it's addictive, I don't allow myself to go into a negative spiral. And I avoid that by putting rules around how much time I spend on things. Uh, so just be very careful. Um, be very thoughtful. Don't overextend. Every time you buy any investment, whether it's a stock, whether it's a bond, whether it is a NFT, which I personally do not treat as an investment, just to be very clear, assume that the value is going to go to zero. And if you wouldn't buy it, if the value went to zero, don't buy it because then it becomes stressful and it isn't fun. So that would be my advice to people. Only invest what you can afford to lose. And if that's only $5, only invest $5. All right. What are a few areas or domains that are going to be impacted by Web3 in the next one to two years? How are they going to change? Okay, so I talked a lot about this in the first answer, so I'll cover this briefly. But it really comes down to this idea of wallet aware, that the technologies that are going to come up are going to be able to um, learn something about you by what you have in your wallet, that people are going to begin to craft um, what's in their wallet so that they can tailor these different experiences to what they want. They're going to um, really be able to contribute to that, to be able to create things themselves that other people would want to collect as a sign of um, participation, as a sign of support, whatever the case may be, that people are going to find very easy ways to create things like a POAP, which is known as a proof of attendance protocol. And so by going to a concert, your ticket um, will change, right? This is an NFT. So you can do things that actually allow it to change. Remember in the first answer when I said that there's actually sometimes the blockchain is actually pointing to something off-chain that can be changed. Uh, so it's called a DNFT or a dynamic NFT. And so now based on real world events, like your attendance to a concert, I can update that ticket to have new rights. It could give you access to things that you wouldn't have access to if you only bought the ticket but didn't attend. Uh, you could do things like if somebody has attended five of their concerts in a single year that they get access to something new. Companies could create these extraordinary loyalty programs uh, because they can verify that you've done XYZ thing, right? So for instance, in Project Kaizen, one thing that we're doing is on the release of the first seven characters or the reveal of the first seven characters from the game, if you go in, retweet, and register, you can actually collect an airdrop for each of the seven characters. If you collect all seven, you can do what's called burn those. So you're getting rid of them. You burn the seven in exchange for an in-game item. And so there's going to be all kinds of things like that to um, allow people to 
collect and then, to use a really fun word, transmogrify that thing by burning it, turning it into something else or a ticket, which literally would update and be a new image. Um, and again, it can look different. It can act differently. So it gives you access to different things. Um, there's all kinds of opportunities once more creative people come into the space, understand the technology and see what they can do. But there's already some really extraordinary things being done. So I think in the next one to two years, entertainment is going to be changed. I think music is going to be changed, uh, obviously, as a subset of entertainment. I think that real estate is going to be changed. I think that you're going to see big changes in medical records. I think that's going to be big. I think loyalty programs are going to radically change. Art has already changed. Uh, I think you're even going to see the next evolution of NFTs as they become uh, more focused on the D part of the D NFTs. We get more dynamic things, more things responding to what's going on. I think um, sports is going to change. Um, example, I think that you're going to start to see NFT-based um, fantasy leagues happening. I think there's going to be all kinds of things. It is so incredible. Like when you can actually prove that somebody owns something, the whole world opens up. Uh, video games are going to change. Collectible cards are going to change. And on and on and on. All right. Can you explain what a sandbox is and what your thoughts are about sandbox? Okay, so sandbox is a metaverse. Uh, a metaverse is a very loose word that people, I think, would have a hard time defining these days. But right now, a metaverse is basically a sandbox with a lower S. So you create a virtual space that people can go in. They can move around. They can meet other people. It's kind of like an MMORPG uh, where there are mini games being created by a bunch of disparate people. So it's sort of the NFT version of Roblox that is built in what is sort of a physical space, meaning that even though it's virtual, they've taken the constraints of the physical world. So they've limit the size, they limit the plot, they limit the height, they limit the physical aspects of the game, even though it's virtual. So it isn't technically physical, but you get the idea. So they bring all of that uh, limitation and as I say, limitation makes the art. So I know that people will often say, okay, wait, these are virtual worlds. Why on earth would you make them infinite? Uh, and the reality is I think some people will. So with Project Kaizen, we're taking a very different approach. Um, so it isn't constrained in the, the, we're not trying to bring the physical limitations into the virtual world, but we do understand the power of limitation. So we're very cognizant of what we have to do around uh, supply and demand and things like that. Uh, we're just not bringing the physical limitations. But that's what they're doing in most metaverses. So Sandbox, Decentraland being two of the most famous examples, um, high amount of constraints. And then you get all of these uh, mini games being built inside of them. So I think that Sandbox is very interesting and they're doing a wonderful job um, of getting people in to play the game and to create the games. The reason that we didn't um, decide to create inside of Sandbox is because when I stepped back and said, okay, we're about to make a huge investment into um, stair-stepping, it's very important to me, that we roll out in phases into being a AAA game studio as part of what we do at Impact Theory. And I didn't want to go heads down for three years or five years or seven years in the case of some of these bigger franchises. I wanted to be able to make things 
you know, and release them, you know, every six months or so and, and go that way so that there's cooler and cooler things that are stacking on top of each other. And when I stepped back and looked at it, I thought, okay, well, we could build inside of Sandbox, but there are all these huge limitations, both from a technological standpoint, from a style standpoint, it's all voxel art. If you've seen that, everything's a square. Um, and also somebody else owns it. And so I can't do whatever I want. And instead I said, well, is there a technology again, follow the developers. Is there a technology that's already being used? And there are a few. So Sandbox has a fair amount of developers. You've got um, Decentraland, same thing, a fair amount of developers. Uh, but when I really started looking at it, you start getting into like Minecraft has a lot of people in it. Roblox has a lot of people in it. And so we looked at those. Uh, but again, a lot of the same constraints that you have on Sandbox, uh, Roblox and uh, Minecraft, I think are better from that standpoint, but still certainly from a stylistic standpoint, I was very limited. And then I started looking at Unity and Unreal Engine. And when I got to Unreal Engine, I was like, wow, this is appropriately named because it is unreal what you can do in that. Um, I happen to have the good fortune of knowing the, uh, I guess, I think they're super public. Yeah, they are public about this. So I know the people at Braun Studios uh, and they made a decision to take their animation division and go entirely into Unreal Engine. And that was the first time that I was like, whoa, like filmmakers are really starting to invest in it. So I started really looking at the technology. I got a behind the scenes look at what they were able to accomplish. It melted my brain. It's extraordinary. I started looking at real-time virtual production. So you could look at an iPad and see the virtual world there on set. So you could be in an empty warehouse, but look at your iPad and it's you could see the actor inside the virtual world as their character in real-time. You could do camera moves. It was insane. So I was blown away by that. And then I started looking at what you could do from a game development standpoint and how quickly you could iterate and put things out and I was sold. And looking at the sheer volume of developers that are already savvy on the platform, uh, I, I just really believed when I step back and say, okay, if, if this is an inextricable march towards Ready Player One, how do we actually get to Ready Player One? Because first of all, let me tell you, Ready Player One is a long way off. Call it 10 years for like the really basic version, the, the non sort of super, uh, you know, where you're feeling everything. But what you can do right now is what I call the metaverse archipelago. So if Ready Player One is the metaverse where everybody is in one place, it's all interconnected. How do we get to that? Okay, first of all, accept that you're never gonna be able to step out of one video game into another because of what's called balancing. So where a weapon is balanced against all other weapons on that particular map, etc. So that's, I don't think, ever going to be a thing. Um, you could make one game that a whole lot of people play, but you're never going to be able to go from Grand Theft Auto into Fortnite into um, Destiny 2, which is the game I play. You're never going to be able to bounce around like that. Just isn't going to work because of balancing. So I thought, okay, but there is this other part to Ready Player One, the book, which if you haven't read the book, read it. I think it so accurately predicts what the metaverse is going to be like that it's crazy. I'm not even sure that he um, intended to predict how the blockchain would work. Obviously he did a phenomenal job of just predicting what he thought that next phase of like snow crash was going to be. Um, 
but he really predicted what the blockchain allows you to do, which is to create these very customized experiences. And they're experiences. They aren't a traditional game. And so Ready Player One, the book, will give people the greatest insight into where we're going with Project Kaizen because of that, what I call game-like experiences. So one of the uh, game-like experiences that they talk about in the book is creating, um, oh man, I'm blanking on his name, but John Hughes, creating John Hughes's Chicago suburb where basically all of his films take place. And as a child of the 80s, I was just like, oh my God, this is so cool. And anybody could go in and create a world uh, level, an island, however you want to think about it, and create experiences for people in Unreal Engine because it is so um, universally used that somebody could create something for us, for instance, and then we could import it into our game. But they wouldn't need to know anything necessarily about our game. They would just need to know some really basic specs and then create inside of Unreal Engine. And so that's when I was like, whoa, like this is incredible. So you can create these experiences. I don't need to worry about balancing that a player can go from anybody's uh, game-like experience if it doesn't require balancing as long as certain standards are agreed upon, which are not yet a thing. That hasn't happened yet, but I am very confident that in the next, call it five years, that there will be a TCP IP HTTPS protocol kind of thing for the internet that allows web pages to connect that will allow people to take their avatar and go from one metaverse archipelago, so like an island, right, of a metaverse island, if you will, and go from that island to another island to another island to another island. And so when you look at now the number of projects that are beginning to build in Unreal Engine, uh, you've got uh, Project Kaizen, so we're building an Unreal Engine. You've got um, the Board Ape Yacht Club building an Unreal Engine. Uh, you've got um, Akira, or sorry, uh, CloneX building an Unreal Engine. And so there are a lot of these big projects, and there's far more. You've got a lot of these big projects building in Unreal Engine, and if they're doing a game that requires balancing, you won't be able to match those up. But if they have these game-like experiences, then you will. And so having one consistent identity across all of these different projects, once the standards are set and people adhere to them, then you can do something really extraordinary. I think it is only a matter of time before those standards are set. Uh, so. That's why, in the end, we ended up going with Unreal Engine. I could just see by following the developers, by looking at how robust the technology was, by understanding the technology so that I could predict the future, I thought, okay, this is how you build towards Ready Player One, again, over a long period of time. But you start by creating these islands. You then get the standards that allow people to, at least in the non-balanced parts, be able to go from place to place to place. That allows you to unite a lot of different communities. And then there's actually more people I've heard building games where different communities can come in, select their avatar, again, in Unreal Engine. So it doesn't technically allow them to cross yet because we lack those standards. Um, but people already have those ideas, which is why I'm so confident that somebody will develop the standards. So you could do something like create an avatar. But once you go into this particular combat zone, then you have to pick a weapon from there. Um, yeah, this is how this is going to work. It's crazy. And so you start with these little islands and they will eventually have more and more connective tissue until finally it's just one big metaverse. And so when I stepped back and thought, what had the most versatility? What was going to allow the most people to come together? Um, what had the most developers? What was the most extraordinary technology? Uh, 
I landed on Unreal Engine. So I'm excited about Sandbox because it's another place that's doing something creative in Web3, uh, but it wasn't where I wanted to place my bet. Facts. Next. How will web pages change on Web3? I am an aspiring web designer that thinks there could be an edge to designing for Web3, but I don't understand if there is a difference yet. Okay, so again, focus on this idea of wallet aware. So what makes a Web3 web page Web3 is that you can come to that web page. It will invite you to connect your wallet. And then based on what's in your wallet, you can get access to different things. So uh, we have one of our pages uh, for holders of the Impact Theory Founders Key. If you hold an Impact Theory Founders Key, you can get access to ad-free versions of our content. So you would go to our web page, you would connect your wallet, and then because you have one of our keys, or if you don't have one of our keys, it denies you access. But if you have one of our keys, it unlocks, you can go go in to that space and now watch the ad-free content. And there are going to be thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of things in the coming decades that will be like that, where you either get access or don't get access based on what you have in your wallet. It will be really extraordinary. So you want to think about, okay, I'm going to create this web page. I'm going to communicate to the blockchain. It's relatively straightforward. And then what do I want people to be able to do? And you can create these really exciting, cool experiences based on that. Uh, and again, you can do different things based on what somebody has in their wallet. So if you're looking at WebGL at all, this is something I'll predict in the future. Um, I haven't seen anybody do it yet, but my instinct is that you'll be able to create these customized animated experiences so that if you show up to a WebGL page, depending on what's in your wallet, will determine how things move and interact. I think it's going to be really, really extraordinary. So again, this is why I started this whole thing off by saying you want to first look at what does the technology do? What does it allow you to do? Once you understand what the technology allows you to do, then you can start really building for it. But basically, a Web3 page is just something that can communicate to the blockchain, which allows you to then look into the wallet. Uh, you can do a read-only page where you're just reading what's in their wallet. You could do read-write where you can actually mint NFTs. Um, and once you're minting and reading, the possibilities are virtually endless. All right. Here's a hard question. How safe is Web3 at the moment? It is safe unless you let your guard down. So the blockchain itself is pretty safe, but man, scammers go hard. Scammers go hard. So you need to be really careful because while the blockchain, the Ethereum and Bitcoin blockchains, some blockchains are more susceptible than others, but a well-engineered blockchain is virtually unhackable once it has enough network effect to have a lot of computers out there in a totally distributed way. But humans make mistakes. And so each of us are our own vulnerability. And so I won't lie, I sweat over Web3 safety. And I highly encourage all of you to sweat over Web3 safety, to really be thoughtful about what links you click, because damn, like the number of ways that people can convince you to accidentally give them access to your account is crazy. So you really, really have to be hyper paranoid. As I say, only the paranoid survive. So yeah, be thoughtful, 
do yourself a favor. Do not click unknown links. Do not mint unknown projects. Be extremely reticent to let anyone in your DMs. People will pretend to be other people. People pretend to be me. People pretend to me be me in Discord. They pretend to be me on WhatsApp, Telegram, like wherever. They will pretend to be your favorite person, anybody that you've communicated with and or haven't communicated with. It's crazy. So you really do have to be very, very thoughtful because this is a moment where people haven't trained themselves enough to be diligent. So while you might have your guard up in email, because we've all been trained, you better have your guard up in email, but you might let your guard down in Discord or on Twitter. So you really, really need to be very careful. Be very careful. I can't stress that enough. The number of heartbreaking stories out there are just too many to name. Uh, So be very, very careful. All right. Can you please connect DeFi to Web3? Okay, so DeFi is decentralized finance. It is a fascinating movement. I would be a little bit careful. It's early enough. There's still people getting their hands burned. Uh, It's early enough that there's not a lot of legislation. And so people are getting... Uh, sued, is that the right word? So companies, companies are getting sued for, um, I'm not even gonna say whether for, because I haven't looked closely enough at this and I don't wanna say something isn't untrue, but I know that some very hefty fines have been given out uh, for DeFi companies that are doing things that the SEC warrants to be a security. So just be very thoughtful, do your research before getting into DeFi. But the, the whole idea is DeFi is leveraging the blockchain in a similar way to Web3, just doing it for finance versus, in our case, um, Web3 being focused on entertainment. But I would use Web3 as, as a very encompassing term that would encompass DeFi, would encompass cryptocurrency. Um, so Web3 to me is about ownership and participation. So anything now that you can own and participate in um, for me, falls under the umbrella of Web3. So it could be entertainment, it could be finance, it could be medical records, it could be a lot of things. So um, that's ultimately the connection. But DeFi is, is a financial protocol that is almost certainly going to be the dominant way that we all save money in the future. Right now, it is an unregulated uh, wild, wild west. So be very thoughtful. Uh, but it seems inevitable that that's where we're headed, that people would be able to um, do what's called staking, which is beyond the scope of this conversation for two reasons. One, I don't consider it a beginner's uh, thing to do. And two, I don't do it. And so I am very much not an expert, but you could find a lot of information out there on DeFi. Highly encourage you guys to check out Bankless. They do a phenomenal job uh, of creating great content around things like DeFi. Uh, So yeah, check that out. But that's DeFi and its connection to Web3. All right, next. Let's say Ethereum just doesn't make it as a currency. What happens to our NFTs that were minted on that blockchain? Are they still safe forever? Okay, they're safe as long as the blockchain exists and IPFS exists. So IPFS is beyond the scope of the basics. But earlier when I was talking about how you have this thing that points at this thing over here, when it's pointing to this thing over here, it's usually pointing at an IPFS server. Um, 
So if the project doesn't pay for their IPFS server, then the thing that the blockchain is pointing to would become blank. Uh, but as people have noted, if that were ever to happen, somebody could spin that back up because the blockchain, unless the blockchain went down, which would, whoa, be very, it would require that the entire blockchain implode on itself, which is possible. I want to be very clear that if everybody stops believing in the Ethereum protocol and there are no people that are securing the Ethereum protocol, then the Ethereum protocol would for all intents and purposes, cease to function. Given the um, network effects of how many people are securing the Ethereum protocol and how much value there is in the Ethereum protocol in terms of um, money invested, that seems like a long shot. It is definitely not impossible. Again, I am not a financial advisor, do your own research, uh, but it's highly unlikely. So the short answer is yes, it could collapse, go to zero, uh, be totally meaningless, cease to effectively function as a blockchain and everything that you had on it would be gone. Um, but I feel way more secure about the things that I have secured on the blockchain than I do say something in my house or my car, uh, which can be broken into. So keep that in mind. Uh, but if it didn't make it as a currency and the blockchain collapsed, then yes, it would go away and no, your things would not be safe forever in that instance. Um, so it really comes down to what do you think are the odds? And this is why I am focused on the top two biggest, the ones that have the biggest network effects. Um, it just is way less likely that they implode. It's not impossible, but it's way less likely. Uh, so be very, very thoughtful. Again, only invest what you can afford to have go to zero. I think that is the right approach to take um, at this stage or any stage. I wouldn't buy more in gold than I could afford to go to zero. Uh, so be thoughtful out there, my friends. All right. Those are some ABCs of what's going on in the world of Web3. I hope that you guys will go and learn about it. It is extraordinary. It is in the process of changing everything. This isn't like something that's going to happen only in 10 years. It's happening right now. The amount of things that it's already changed in my own life is extraordinary. And then when I look at what we're building, oh my God, it's going to change everything. So Go learn about it, my friends. Be ahead of the curve. It will reward you. Um, I won't say richly because it is not a get-rich-quick scheme, though some people are using it for that. It is a transformational technology that is going to improve a lot of things in the human experience. So don't be the last to the party. Go learn about what's happening in the web 3. All right, everybody. Until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Peace.